0: Welcome in to Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, January 21st, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Locked On Blackhawks is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode, this Talk Back Tuesday episode, and this might be the most loaded and busy episode we've had so far. Before we get into answering your questions, I want to tell you how to get in touch. In case you missed out on Talk Back Tuesday, here's how you can reach me, and Locked On Blackhawks. Voicemail number 708-653-0572. The email is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com, Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks, my personal account at jzawoski670, and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, my other hockey podcast, that's at MadhousePod on Twitter. By the way, at some point during the All-Star break, my Madhouse Podcast partner James Navo is going to... Join me on Lockdown Blackhawks for a special crossover episode, probably after the All-Star break. So look forward to that. Before I got into Talkback Tuesday, I wanted to spend some time reflecting on Joel Quenville and his return to Chicago. But I've gotten so many questions. I've gotten so many emails and voicemails that I'm not really going to have time. So I will save my ode to Joel Quenville until Wednesday. So let's get right to it. Got a lot of questions. A lot of them are similar in sort of where the Hawks should go with the roster and things like that. But I don't want to... Everyone's got sort of a different angle and a different take, so I don't want to exclude anybody who sent a question. So while some of the information and some of the questions might be redundant, I think some of the answers might produce produce some different responses. So I'm going to get to everybody who sent us an email, everybody who sent us a voicemail. So if you did, I appreciate it. First one comes from Kelly. She says, should Stan and the Blackhawks brass be considering paying Kubelik more than Strom when contracts are negotiated? Maybe trading away Strom at the deadline versus Kubalik." I know everyone has been focusing on getting Strom signed, but is Kubelik proving to be more valuable? I listen every day into all your podcasts. I miss Chicago, and you always give me a little taste of home. Thanks for all you do, Kelly P. Kelly, thank you for the email. Thank you for the kind words. Look, there's a a lot of hard decisions being made here, and that was a month ago, and now with the way Dominic Kubelik has been playing and the way that he has sort of turned the corner in his career, he's forcing some really difficult questions because early in the year we thought, okay, you know, Kubelik's a restricted free agent, but they'll be able to lock him up pretty easily, million, two million. They'll find a way. Well, now he's lighting it up, and now he's got 20-plus goals. And if he continues on this pace or anything even close to it, he probably won't continue on this pace. But you know what I'm saying? That is a tough decision. And I do wonder sometimes if maybe Dylan Strom is the trade piece in the offseason. Yes, I know he has incredible chemistry with Alex DeBrinkett. And yes, I know he's done really, really well in his time with the Blackhawks here. But he's got value. He can be re signed for a reasonable deal by another team. I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm not saying I want it to happen, but it's something to consider. You've drafted Kirby Doc third overall. I don't think you did that so he'd be your third line center, right? Maybe someday when Jonathan Taves is ready to retire, Doc's ready to be your number one. But maybe having Taves, you know, Strom at at least six, maybe a little bit under six if you're really, really lucky and Doc as your third center, that'd be great. But how realistic is that? How how well are you managing your assets and your depth that way? I wonder if they would consider moving Dylan, Dylan Stroman in the offseason. I wouldn't do it before then. I wouldn't trade him at the deadline unless the Hawks fall way out of this thing and they've already made that decision that they can't afford to resign him. But I would at least consider and entertain trading him in the offseason if it's going to take upwards of $6 million to get him signed. Now, look. I don't see a, a universe in which Dylan Strome makes as much money as Alex DeBrinkett. He shouldn't unless he comes back and sets the world on fire. I don't think it's going to happen. So five point seven six million is what he's realistically looking at. Maybe the Hawks have to make a decision and move on from Dylan Strome, which would suck. But they've got to get Kubelik back. Maybe they want to sign Robin Leonard. If you want to keep these guys on the roster, you're going to have to make some really, really tough decisions, especially considering Brent Zebra could come back and play. And if he does, he's on the salary cap. So until they move that deal, they've got to be careful. So it's not ideal and it's not something anyone wants, but I think the the possibility of moving Dylan Strom in the summer, with the emergence of Kubalik, has become a more real possibility. Hi, my name is Brad from Lowell, Indiana. My question is about the current Blackhawks winning streak. Uh, I thought I knew what the Hawks were and I was ready to sell everything off until they went on this little five-game heater here. My question is twofold. Um, at what point does Colleton get to keep his job next year if they keep winning And at what point is it enough to where the Hawks shouldn't sell anything off either? Um, Thank you very much for your input. Brad, thank you for the voicemail. I'm going to combine this response with a question I got from Gary Martin on Twitter. He said, I'm not being a jerk asking, I promise. Has the opinion of Cowlton changed at all as the season has gone on? And kind of, yes. I mean, it's hard to argue with the results lately. And I said this on yesterday's podcast. You've got to give Jeremy Colleton some credit for, A, changing when he was told to change in early November, and B, for not losing this team when things were going really poorly, when it seemed like everything was lost and it seemed like the team had quit on him. Somehow they have not, and somehow they've turned it around. And C, overcoming all the injuries they've had to deal with. Think about it. Brandon Saad, Dylan Strome, Andrew Shaw, Drake Kajula, Calvin DeHaan, Brent Seabrook. These are all people everybody had penciled in as starting players on this roster. And all of them have missed significant portions of this season. And somehow, after all that, and after all the drama of the season, you know, after that first month, first month and a half, when things are really, really bad, somehow this team is three points out of a playoff spot as I'm recording this podcast on Monday night. Yes, Jeremy Cowden deserves some credit, and if he can get this team in the playoffs or you know close to a playoff spot with the way things had gone this year, then I don't think they should fire him unless they want Gerard Gallant a proven winner which it feels like if they had wanted him, they would have done it by now. But maybe he's earned the right for another season. I don't know. It's an interesting question, and I called for his job in November. But has he improved since then? Absolutely. And if things continue the way they've been over the last month and a half, then maybe I was wrong. Maybe we were all wrong. It's Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here on Talk Back Tuesday. We are going to get right back to the emails because I got so many responses. If you want to participate next week, 708-653-0572 is the voicemail number or the email lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. Most of our voicemails this week are those voice memos that people email in. They sound terrific, so open that voice memo app on your phone Record your question and just send it to LockdownBlackHawks at gmail.com. It sounds pristine. This question here from Nate. He says, ahead of the deadline this year, could the Hawks look to package Leonard and maybe either Gustafson or Saad with a bad contract, Seabrook, and take back another team's bad but expiring contract? So instead of flipping Leonard for picks or prospects, flipping him for cap relief. Also, with the cap space they have for this year, could they look to take on a number another team's bad short-term contract if that team threw in a prospect? Say if that team was looking to free up space to make another move. So basically, taking the other side of a bickle type trade. Uh, the first part, I don't know if Leonard. <sighs> if I so if you think of it this way, if you're the team dealing with the Hawks, is renting Leonard and Gustafson. And taking a six million dollar Brandon Sod for one more year, worth absorbing Brent Seabrook's contract. That's a tough question, and I don't know if there's a team that might look at that. Well, look, if if, if there's a team who feels like they're a few players away from a cup, and they add Robin Leonard, Eric Gustafson, and Eric and Brandon Sod at the trade deadline, that is a huge boost to what they have. There's no doubt about it. And maybe taking on Seabrook would be worth it for that team. But keep in mind, they're taking on $6 million of, uh, or $5 million of Leonard's contract, $6 million of Sod. Gustafson is a low contract, but they're taking on Seabrooks. He won't play this year, so it won't matter this year. There's not a lot of teams with that much cap space. But like you said, if the Hawks get an expiring deal back, yeah, that could be something to explore. And then you rid yourself of the zebra contract, you rid yourself of the SOD contract, that's almost $12 million, it's over $12 million, you don't have to worry about for next season, and then maybe you come back and just sign Robin Leonard in the offseason. Not a terrible idea. As for taking on the team's bad short-term contract, sure, if it's going to bring you an asset, the Carolina Hurricanes got Tavo Teravainen for doing that. If some team is so desperate to flip a free agent that's deal's is expiring this year, I would take that on. And usually those guys are decent players. They're just not decent for the money. So yeah, that's something I would inquire. And as the deadline gets closer, we're going to get more specific names as to who's being made available, uh, which teams are shopping, which teams are selling. The problem is there are so many teams still in it that it's hard to consider. Like even San Jose, who is third from last in the Western Conference, they're 11 points out of a playoff spot. So it's not inconceivable that they can go on a hot streak like the Hawks did and get right back in the conversation. L.A. has 41 points. They're 16 points out of a playoff spot. Probably pretty far out of it, right? Anaheim's 14 points out. But everybody else, mm, you never know. Everything's real bunched up in the West, and it's hard to sort of predict what teams are going to be doing at the deadline. Now you look at the Eastern Conference and you've got Detroit and New Jersey and Ottawa way out of it. And maybe those are teams looking to move some bad contracts. Something to keep an eye on. Something I would definitely consider. Hey Jay, it's Aiden from Flagstaff, Arizona. I had a question about Alex Nylander. Do you think that there's anybody who deserves a roster spot more than he does? I understand how much we gave up to get him but he's been handed so many opportunities and he's been unproductive even though he does have the skill set second of all um, I do think the Blackhawks should trade away their unrestricted free agents for picks I think that everyone can see this isn't a Stanley Cup team regardless of how many games they can win in a row if they trade smart I think they could be a Stanley Cup team in the next two three years Aiden, thank you for the voicemail. Uh, yeah, you know, Alex neander has had a very long leash all season long, and I will say he's been better over the last handful of games. Pat Foley has not relented on uh, calling out every little mistake he makes on the ice, and that's fine. It seems like kind of a personal thing, but whatever. Right now, I don't think there's anyone that should be playing in his place simply because of talent. Like Dylan Secura, okay, like he skates hard and... I don't know <laughs> there's just no one really at the moment do I believe deserves it over a and look I've said this all season about him I think his his problems are more mental than physical all we heard about was the lack of effort when he was coming here I, I haven't really seen that so much as kind of bad and timid decision making and and I think the best way to get that out of him is by playing him And you have to admit he's played better lately, Uh, had a, what do you have, two points against uh, Winnipeg, and just sort of is starting to make plays a little more often and create a little more often. So at the moment, with the team as banged up as they are, I don't think anyone is more deserving to play. But when Shaw's back and Strom is back, I'm not taking Kajula out in his favor. You're obviously not going to take Kubelik out. So I guess the question is David Kampf or Zach Smith, I kind of like Zach Smith's game a little bit. I think there is something to be said for leadership and veteran presence. And, you know, David Camp, I've never been the biggest fan of. I think he's just kind of fine. He just kind of does what he does and he's all right. But I'd rather play Neilander at this point while you're developing your young players and see what you got. And if you don't like him, move on. I know it's hard to say, but considering you traded Henry you for him, but I use this whole year for evaluation with him. As long as there's a roster spot open for him that doesn't have someone else clearly better being blocked, I say play him and see if he develops, see if he gets better, because I think some regular ice time could be the best thing for a player like Nylander. All right, one more email before the break. It says, hey, Jay, listen to a Scotty Bowman interview on Canada's Hockey Central last Thursday. That's January 16th. When asked about the Gallant firing and the league coaching changes, he talks of the pressure to consistently make the playoffs because financially there's so much at stake for the owners. His comments make me suspect GMs with either even a sliver of hope to make the playoffs might be inclined towards short-term gains despite accompanying long-term risk. What are the odds the Blackhawks make a significant change before the trade deadline to make a run at one goal? Before Gallant, I, ha- I would have thought low. The impatience his firing demonstrates is present in the league and has me rethinking that option. Thanks and enjoying the daily shows. Also a fan of the Madhouse podcast, Darla. Darla, thanks so much. Um, This is a bit of a fear of mine, especially when we're specifically talking about Stan Bowman. He knows that he's on the hot seat. And if the Hawks fall short of the playoffs again this year, I'd give it, what, 70% chances that he might be fired? Maybe not. Maybe I'm totally naive on here. But how does a team with this payroll and these star players miss the playoff three years in a row? That can't happen. It simply can't. So my fear is, yeah, he tries to make a move at the deadline that has no eye towards the future whatsoever to try to get in, and they don't get in, or they get in and they lose in the first round, and now they're without the assets they gave up, or they're stuck with a bad contract they don't want, and Stan Bowman loses his job anyway. I don't know. That's why, even at this point, I'm pretty much standing pat if I'm the Hawks. Trade your unrestricted free agents if you want to hang on. Well, you sort of have to hold on to one of the goalies, just from a roster standpoint. You can't really trade Crawford and Leonard. So trade one of those two, ride it out, see what happens. But I'm not I'm not making any sort of future-altering trade to try to get this team into the playoffs because regardless of how they're playing now, it's not the Stanley Cup team. Talk Back Tuesday here on Locked On Blackhawks. Rolls on with your questions you want to get in for next week. 708-653-0572 is a voicemail. Email Blackhawks at gmail.com.
1: Hi Jay, this is Spencer. I've been a Corey Crawford defender for a long time, but at 35 I think it's safe to say that he's on the downside of his career. Uh, With him coming out and saying last week that he wants to be a starter somewhere next season, I don't really think that it's in the Hawks' best interest to sign him. However, do you think that there are teams out there that will be interested in Corey as a starter? Um, If not, uh, do you think he would reconsider uh, being a backup in Chicago? Also, uh, to answer your homework assignment, I don't think the Hawks should be buyers at the deadline. I think I'd be okay if they traded some UFAs to contenders in exchange for some draft picks or prospects. And I think I'd also be okay if they just stand pat and try to make the playoffs. It's more interesting when the Hawks are in the playoffs at least. But... Um, but I really wonder whether you know Stan is just going to do anything uh, within his power to try and at least make the playoffs to save his job.
0: Thanks for the email, Spencer. Good question. Thanks for the answer on the homework assignment. Uh, yes, it will be very interesting to see how it plays out. As for Crawford, th- that is the million-dollar question. Is there a team that's going to pay Corey Crawford to be their starting goalie? You never know. But the way free agency goes, nothing would really surprise me anymore. Teams just get desperate to make a move, to make a splash, to sign a name. And look, if a team does sign Corey Crawford to be a starter, they're not going to get him. They're not going to sign him to a premium deal. He's not going to be making $6 million again. If some team can justify giving him $3, 4000000 million for two years to be a bridge starter while they try to develop a young goalie in her system that maybe isn't quite ready for prime time yet. That's probably Corey's best option to starting. That said, he's got to uproot his family. He's got to move. He's got to go to a new organization for a million bucks less. And a million dollars is a lot of money to an NHL player. It's not baseball. It's not football. You know, the highest paid players in the league make, what, 12 million bucks. So a million bucks is a significant percentage of their contract and of their salary. But for that, would it be worth it for Crawford to just stay in Chicago and just stay here and play here and write and out his career as a Blackhawk and just retire when the time comes? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Not a super deep goalie market this summer, which is what makes me feel like it's going to be really hard to bring Robin Leonard back. But you never know. There's always a team out there that gets desperate, that wants to make a splash, and that will do something probably a little bit foolish – to make it happen. Next email comes from Adam in Batavia. He says, sending this out after the win against Winnipeg, after checking the standings, it seems somehow realistic that the Hawks could be in playoff conversation with Strom coming back. It looks like our top six is in good shape. Is it crazy to think Stan makes a move for a top four defensive rental? If he did, who are the potential players available and what would we have to give up to bring him back in return? I would think we would just want a veteran with an expiring contract after the season Good job with the podcast. Keep it up. Adam from Batavia. Now, this is the big question. Will he add an unrestricted free agent defenseman? I don't know. It's hard for me to see him just adding on anything and giving up an asset for something. That, to me, seems a little bit unreasonable. But again, there is that wild card of, is he trying to save his job? Is Stan Bowman going to do the right thing at the deadline for the team? And if he didn't, could you blame him? I mean, (laughs) you know, it's tough to say. Like, the dude's trying to save his job. But maybe he saves his job by doing what's in the best interest of the team. Here's a look at the guys that will be unrestricted free agents this summer as far as defensemen go. Top four defensemen. Alex Petrangelo's on the Blues. He's not going anywhere. Tyson Berry, Maple Leafs, not going anywhere. Justin Schultz, Pittsburgh, probably not going anywhere. Mike Green from Detroit, okay? That's a guy. Detroit's not going any damn where. Maybe the Hawks can give up a really late-round pick or a low prospect to get Mike Green off the Red Wings' hands. And that especially would make some sense if they move Gustafson, right, just to sort of keep that offensive defenseman, not that he's really much of an offensive defenseman anymore, but he's got the past. Tori Krug's not going anywhere. Zach Bogosian's not going anywhere. Andy Green and Sammy Vatanen from the Devils, maybe. Other than that, TJ Brody from Calgary. You know, there's some names on there, but I don't think any of these guys will be the difference between the Hawks making and not making the playoffs. And look, I'd rather play Boquist and look, like. Let's be honest. For the money, Slater Cuckoo has been pretty decent lately. Play him a little bit. Find out what you have there. You know, that's another guy you're going to have to make a decision on after this season, a restricted free agent. You could probably sign him for a million bucks. And when we're looking for salary cap, like guys that can play for low cap hits that you know can be pretty dependable, Slater Cuckoo is in that conversation. He signed at $925,000 right now. He's only 25 years old. If he's your worst defenseman, or if he's your seven as Ian Mitchell joins this team either this season or next, that's pretty decent. You could do a hell of a lot worse for a seventh defenseman than Slater Cuckoo. So it'll be interesting. Nothing would surprise me. I think I literally think everything's on the table right now. I really do. I wouldn't I wouldn't dismiss any idea, especially considering the Hawks five game winning streak, their proximity to a playoff spot right now. The fact that they're probably getting healthier soon. Nothing's off the table for me. And of course, like we've said a bunch of times, Stan Bowman's job on the line. So I don't know. Question here from Callie from Finland says, I'm moderately worried about the Hawks cap space for next season. If the cap's going to raise to $83 million, that's a one and a half million dollar increase. The Hawks only have $12,870,705 of cap space with a roster size of 16. Notable players without a contract are Kubelik, Leonard, Strom, Kajula, and Gustafson. Without Seabrook going to long-term injured reserve for the rest of eternity, we don't have the cap space to sign all of those players, and I have a feeling Siebs isn't done just yet. So should we make room for those guys by trading current contracts away, like Saad, Mata, Smith, etc.? Keep up the good work. You're awesome, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for the kind words, Callie. Uh, He didn't say I'm awesome. I just added that because I felt like it. Uh, good names there Olimata, Zach Smith. Those are guys I could see being traded at the deadline. Mata has two years left after this one at 4 million. I wouldn't mind hanging on to him for twenty for, for uh, 4 million bucks. I'm keeping only I'm sorry. I think i like him more than most people do. I like him. Uh, Drake Kajula makes a million and a half is a restrictive free agent this summer. I don't think it would take too much more to get him re-signed. They have the rights. He's restricted, so the Hawks get first dibs. Zach Smith is a really good option to trade at the deadline, just like we said all year with Brandon Sod. Zach Smith makes, makes 3250000 million. He's got a year left after this when he's 31 years old, a versatile player. I think that that's a guy the Hawks could definitely look to move at the deadline this season. And I know for a fact, by the way, that buying out Olimata would not cost the Hawks very much. If the Hawks bought out Oli Mata this summer, it would save them $3.4 million off the cap. The cap hit for Mata would only be $680,000. So if they can't trade him and they don't like him, they can just buy him out and save all that money on the cap. So that's another option as far as Mata goes. But for me, I'm keeping him around unless I know I've got some much better options on the way next season.
1: Hi Jay, I hope you're well. Uh, This is Alexi from London in the UK. Uh, On Saturday, I thought the Blackhawks played probably their most complete game of the entire season. Uh, I thought they were great offensively. They limited the Leafs to very few chances and were pretty ruthless in uh, not letting them back into the game. Um, And also I thought the work ethic was great. Um, If you could bottle that performance and use it as a blueprint for the rest of the season, what where do you think this team can get to? Do you think they can make the playoffs or do you think that that level of play and consistency is beyond uh, the, this current group of players? Um, thank you for all you do. And I think I'm team Stand Pat at the trade deadline.
0: Alexi, thanks as always for the voicemail. Always like hearing your voice here on the podcast. Got an email from Finland. Got a voicemail from London. Keep it up. I love the out-of-town emails. We get a lot of those. A lot of that feedback on Talkback Tuesday, so thank you. Uh, I do believe, and this is part of the reason I've been frustrated with the Hawks all season, I do believe they're capable of playing better than they'd played. This last five-game stretch proves it. There's been a handful of wins this season where you say, See? They can do this. The Hawks are capable of playing well against good teams. The game against Winnipeg, the game against Toronto, Uh, the Nashville game, they ended up losing five, two, but it was a close game. They beat St. Louis last month. There's been some games where the Hawks have been really impressive. And that's why those games where they let down so poorly are so frustrating because the talents here, you think the talents here, right? Just look at what they've pulled off lately. And over the last couple of months, I think right now they're playing like a playoff team, even with all the injuries they have. So are they a Stanley Cup team? No, they're not a Stanley Cup contender. And I know a lot of people are listening to this saying, well, you know, the St. Louis Blues last year were in, I know. Special circumstance. That's one time in history that's happened. The odds of it happening again are slim. The odds of it happening two years in a row are none. So I do not think the Blackhawks are this year's version of the St. Louis Blues. But yeah, I think they're a playoff team. If they keep playing this way, And if they're not forced to trade away everything at the deadline, that is why this next month is so essential to not just this season for the Hawks, but the next three, four years. What they do at this deadline is going to change things for a long, long time. That's why they cannot screw it up. And I wonder, and I hope, well, I don't know if I hope, but I wonder if they trust Sam Bowman to do it fully. Because if he's on the hot seat, you're putting him in in charge of a trade deadline that could dictate the future of this team for years to come. And that's a little scary for me. Next email comes from Colin. He says, I was wondering your thoughts on whether there's been a sudden surge in Jonathan Taves' game. I feel like there's a mentality to it. Like Keith said, they have to play pissed off. Either way, the production is great, and it seems to rub off on the rest of the team. With the deadline coming up, I don't think we should make any moves to try and bolster our current roster I think we should make minimal moves to free up cap space, but not impact our current roster too much because I think we have a good thing going for us. That's a pretty good, reasonable way to look at it. Um, You don't have to give up everything, but you don't want to lose guys for nothing. I think they have to trade Gustafson. I think they have to trade one of the goalies. Those are the two essentials. If they want to keep Saad and Smith around just to see if they can get in, I understand it. I don't maybe don't love it, but I understand it. But if some team's going to knock your socks off with a deal, you've got to be open to everything. As for Taves' game, funny you should mention that. Monday, Taves was named the third star of the week. In his four games, he had three goals and six assists for 14 points. He's been on an absolute tear. And, Colin, I think you're right. There is a definite attitude change from Jonathan Taves. He is playing with almost Stanley Cup playoff level intensity lately. He is balling out for every loose puck, trying to win every board battle he can. He has been probably the best Blackhawk over the last two weeks, and I said that yesterday. Even after Patrick Kane's great performance and how hot Dominic Kubelik has been, Jonathan Taves has been the most consistent Blackhawk for quite a stretch here. And to me, it's great news. And you're right. As Taves goes, it seems like the team goes. He's such an important part of what they do. And he is the heart and soul of that team. Now with Brent Seabrook on injured reserve for the rest of the year, Taves is the unquestioned leader of the team. Seabrook had that role. Despite not playing at the level we were used to from earlier in his career, he was still the vocal leader of that team and the inspiration for that team. With him gone, Taves has sort of had to pick up that slack, and I think he's done a fine job on and off the ice, especially on. He's been absolutely on fire, and that's why he is such a fun player to watch. And I think when he had a couple bad years in a row, people lost sight of how good of a player Jonathan Taves can be I'm really glad to see that last year wasn't a total fluke and that he is capable of still playing at this level even at his age. All right, final question of Talkback Tuesday comes from Big Len. Everybody, thank you so much for the contributions. This was a tremendous Talkback Tuesday. So much feedback, so much to get to. He says, Jay, after watching Dominic Kubli come alive recently, 14 points in the last 10 games and leading all rookies in goals, and seeing how he's how he not only has a great a shot, but also is not afraid to hang around the net. Is it too soon for me to ask whether he has higher upside than Dabrinkit and or Strom? As for your question this morning, if the Hawks are in the playoffs as of the trading deadline, I would try to trade Gustafson and one of Crawford or Lenner, with the other one being good enough to keep the Hawks in the playoff hunt, and teams tend to go with one goalie in the playoffs anyway. Keep up the good work. Len, thank you for the email. I I think it's okay to ask that question about Strom. I don't think Dabrinkit. Yes, I know Dabrinkit has had a down year. But coming into the season, we talked about him scoring 50 goals realistically. That was not an out-of-the-question thing. And he's had some bad luck. He was banged up a little bit this year, too. I do not think that Kublik has higher upside than Alex DeBrinket. Dylan Strom, I I can get down on that argument. But we've got to be careful to not buy in on a small sample size, right? We've got to consider what happened before this month, before this hot streak, You can't make a franchise-altering decision on a 10-game sample size. Look, Kubelik's been great, and yes, you'll be able to sign him for significantly less than Dylan Strom, but don't forget, Dylan Strom has been a really big part of the turnaround last season and this season with the Blackhawks. So he's an important player. He's a big factor on the power play. His chemistry with Brinkett cannot be denied. You can never have too many centers but like I said earlier this episode, the drafting of Kirby Doc and the development of Kubelik, you've got to ask some questions about Dylan Strom and how much he's worth resigning. And if they don't think that he's worth the six million dollars or so he's gonna demand, maybe they trade his rights in the offseason, load up a few more prospects, hopefully a good one, and uh, you know, start to prepare for the next five, six years of Blackhawks hockey. We'll see. I hope they do it with Dylan Strom and Dominic Kublik and Robin Leonard. I'm just not sure it's possible. Thanks for listening to this episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Once again, we are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. We'll be back Wednesday with full reaction to the Hawks game against the Florida Panthers. Joel Quenville's triumphant return to Chicago. I will wax poetic about Coach Q for a good 10 minutes on tomorrow's podcast. But until then, my name is Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.